Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Before we start this episode, I wanted to take a quick moment to ask a favor of you. Please open the podcast app you're listening on right now and hit the follow button. This really supports us growing the podcast and also helps continue to produce high quality conversations around high performance. You listen to us and we want to listen to you. So please also consider leaving a rating and review. Tell us what you love about this episode and what you'd like to hear more of. Give us some feedback as it really does make a difference to what we're doing behind the scenes. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Nigel Marsh is the host of Five of My Life podcast, and he is the guy that challenges me every time we catch up. I love his brain. In Five of My Life, Nigel asks his guests, which include former prime ministers, billionaires, actors you know, poets a whole range of eclectic people. He asked them five questions on their favorite film, book, song, place, and possession. In this episode, we decided to flip the format and we asked Nigel the same questions. He has some truly unique answers and some unique ways of approaching life from his favorite exercise and his seasonal exercise routine. Yep, you gotta listen, that was a classic, typical Nigel, through to his most vivid childhood memory and the experience of being sent to a boarding school at the age of five and how that has shaped him. This is the penultimate moment of the Performance Intelligence Podcast. This is called Performance Uncovered, where I ask you 13 rapid-fire questions. Nigel Marsh, you just answer the first thought that comes to your mind. We have had a little adaptation because you are not a... not. It's not good for you at this stage to let people know your favorite song or your favorite movie or book or possession because that's what you do. Totally get it because you'll have someone, probably one of your kids, flip the format. That'd be a nice way to hand over the reins. All yeah, right then. Yeah. That's right. So I'm, I'm going to ask you 13 questions, but I've filled in the first four. Are you ready? I'm slightly nervous, but yeah. Okay. You should be. Your favorite food, question one. Oh, Baboti. Your favorite travel destination. Lord Howe Island. Your favourite form of exercise apart from swimming naked? Coughing. Coughing is your favourite form of exercise. <laughs> We've done so well. Yeah, we've got this evolution. Oh, no, I've reverted. I've reverted. This metamorphosis and you go back to old, love it. Let's go with coughing. We've never had anyone say that. Uh, the favourite book that you've written out of the four, what's your favourite? Oh, gosh. I, I actually think the latest and I, I hope that's not recency bias but you know as I said life teaches you how to lead it and and I, I like the the power of paradox so smart and stupid it's not you know it, it and actually it's part of my evolution you, you know I didn't say stupid stupid and I didn't say smart 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 stupid yeah I like that question number five who's your favorite child <laughs> um oh my word myself <laughs> Your son Alex said it is whoever is living the farthest away. And at this moment, that probably makes Harry. And he said, when people are away from each other, all flaws melt away. So <laughs> I had an answer for you. Thanks, Al. Question number six, questions I can ask you. What time do you wake up and go to bed every day? Uh, I mean, it varies, but I usually wake up about six and usually go to bed about 11. Do you have a morning routine? I do. I recite a poem. Do you want to hear it? I would. 
Every day is a fresh beginning. Listen, my soul, to the glad refrain. And spite of old sorrow and older sinning and troubles forecast and possible pain, take heart with the day and begin again. Love it. Who is that reference to? At Susan, Susan Coleridge. Coleridge. Not Coleridge, Coleridge. Not in the United States. Anyway, I just like it. As I'm cleaning my teeth or washing my hands or having a shower, I repeat that. You go, mate, you've been given another day. Yippee. There are lots of people who are underground. You aren't. Now, you know, I could get into priming and talking about state management and all these physiological and psychological That's terms what you do, mate. where you almost feel like you need to have a shower, like an idea shower. So let's move on to the next question. Question number eight Apart from coughing, what does your weekly fitness schedule look like? Ah, this is good. I'm glad you asked. So it's seasonal. So in the winter, nothing. My weekly exercise in the winter, and you can't edit this out because I want people to be legitimized who literally do nothing. 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 I won't edit it out. I'm mortified, my friend. I'm mortified. What what impact have I had on you over the 15 years we've known each other? Oh, well, nothing. <laughs> I literally do nothing. I plan. I proactively write down on a schedule on a planner exercise. Nothing. 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 And then in the summer, I do injury independent. I do a park run on a, um, a Saturday morning. I do swim club on a Saturday morning, and I do a little uh, a lovely thing called the the, the Bronte Biathlon on a Wednesday. Um, but the key is, what's my training routine in between? And you know the answer is? Nothing. There you go. How long does winter go for? <laughs> 11 months. <laughs> Six months. Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on, neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture, or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. Question number nine, tell me a go-to productivity tip. Oh, okay. So this is the type of thing that in the past I would refuse, but now I'm going to give you one. So I write down six T-T-D-T on top of my pad every day. I I, I do journal. And it stands for six things to do today. Oh, my God. Trademark, Nigel Marsh. You can't have it. Simon Sinek can't have it. It is life transformational where... Not if you don't think about it properly, but if you think properly, what are the six things I have to do today? Like I have to interview Zara Seidel, I've got to be interviewed by you, I've got to pick up some broccoli, I've got to do whatever. You know, so, so I have decided before the, the world has come flooding in. Now, I might do more, but I write down those six, what they are, and then guess what? I do them. 
Now that sets you apart from probably 95% of the rest of humanity because you've got a little thing when you go up, well, I've thought about what I need to do this Monday. And then I look down and go, well, I've been very, very busy, but I've missed, I've forgotten the Andrew podcast and I haven't, and Zara's in the car park. So it actually can keep you on that conscious choice thing, make your priorities, you know, behavior reveals intent. So for you, it could be go and see my mum. When I was at KPMG, I should have spoken to you because I would write down a list every day of what I hadn't done the previous day rather than doing the six T-T-D-T. Question number 10, your most vivid childhood memory. Ah, so I, I mean, for what it's worth, I was sent to boarding school in a, another country when I was five. Uh, on my first, you know, five, for Christ's sake, on my first day, I was walking <laughs> through the rose path, which was had roses all over wooden structures and whatever. And a bloke actually called Ian Savage. I remember his name. I'm five. He is 12. And I'm walking along and I'm in my little shorts and my stupid cap and mummy and daddy are around the world. I don't know anybody, right? I've got no idea what's going on. And I'm walking to the main hall and he's walking the other direction. And as I get <laughs> next to him, he pushes me with full force into the rose bush. And so I, I'm scratched all over, arse over tip, and I untangle myself and I walk to the main hall with blood dripping down my arms and my face. You think, wow, welcome to school. Have you seen Savage since? No, it would be nice to. Yeah, it would be nice to give him a little shoulder at a school reunion. Question number 11, the biggest adversity you faced and what did that teach you? Do you know, I mean, and I don't want sympathy, but there's a real answer to that question, mate, because I immigrated around the world to Australia. I had four kids under the age of five and I lost my job. So that was a real inflection point in my life um, where you go, wow, you know, I, I, I'm sort of rooted. I'm alcoholic. I'm fat. I'm unemployed. I'm 40. I'm, I'm nowhere near many friends or family. Uh, how, how is this going to go? Uh, and anyway, and, and the lesson there, which, you know, uh, it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me is the take charge yourself. You know, it, it's up to you, mate. It doesn't mean you can have everything you want, but but you need to be in the driving seat of your own life. Mm. Next question. I'm going to paraphrase this. Apart from your children, what achievement or achievements are you most proud of? Ah, right. So, so that's interesting because I, I, I would absolutely say I, like I knew it. the answer, which is why I changed it for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say giving up drinking. That wasn't particularly – I mean, I, I've had a drink for 21 years and – it's not the easiest thing to do if your life up until then has been largely based around drink. And question 13, what is your definition of high performance? Actually, can I ask too, what would have your definition or what would have your answer been to that 15 years ago? And, and what's your evolved answer now? What is your definition of high performance? Oh, gosh. I, I suspect. What a load of bollocks 15 years ago. You would have been no, hissing, I cursing. I suspect it would be the same. So, uh, but I would go. So, I'll tell you what it is now. Then I'll retrofit. My definition of high performance is somebody who is comfortable in their own skin, has a smile on their dial, and is kind. I think those be the three things. And then, you know, they're a banker or a lawyer or a marketing person or a fitness coach or whatever else. But but the people who I actually admire, and I think this has been the same, is I've spent 
a long time looking at people above me, thinking, I don't really admire you. I mean, I don't, I don't, that's not a bad thing to say. You know, I look at, you know, Marissa Mayer running Yahoo doing 130 hour weeks and you go, well, good for you, love. But I don't I don't admire or envy you. I look at people who've got lots of money, cry going to work. I don't envy you. So I suppose what has potentially changed to the spirit of your question, mate, is I've allowed myself to admire those people. So I've always secretly thought that. You go, hold on, I'm supposed to admire this person and I think they're an idiot. You know, they've got a rubbish marriage and a rubbish career and they're la 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 and they're fat and stupid, right? But I'm supposed to, society holds them up as, oh, I'm so cray cray busy. Now, I think the criteria has, has stayed the same, but I'm unable to, without embarrassment, answer that question. So I think the, you know, person who lives three doors down from me, who's always very, very happy and seems to be a lovely mum and a leader, I think she's a higher performer than some of the people that the AFR may say, ooh, they've just floated their firm, and you go, yeah, but... Anyway, so that would be my, my answer. Now, there's a separate answer, is who do you think is the most financially successful? Well, that's a different question. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite or purchasing one of the books I've written, including MatchFit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.